I find it such a joy to, to always be able to worship with a family like this. Um, two weeks ago, I was, as you guys know, I was on holiday with my family. And, and during that time of holiday, yes, I, I went sightseeing and did a whole bunch of stuff. But I also found a lot of time to just pray with God personally. And then I just love spending that time with, with Jesus, my Lord and Savior. And then it's funny because as I was preparing for this week's sermon, I didn't know what to talk about, but I just had this strong feeling um, that God almost saying to me, Dexter, talk about prayer. Talk about prayer because, because I want Oikos Church to be in a season where they grow in prayer. And you know, if our church is a prayerful church, it will be a very powerful church to be reckoned with. And, and, and so here it is. So, so if I could title my talk today is how to pray or when to pray. And I, I grew up in a family and I'm very blessed to have a family that was a Christian family. And every single night without fail, we would have devotion times. Mum would open up the Bible, read the Bible for us in Vietnamese and then and then we will pray as a family every single night without fail. So even now I'm in Perth and the rest of my family is still in Brisbane. They still do it till this very day. So I remember growing up like that. And so every time if I go back to Brisbane, that's what I look forward to. I'm like, I just love sitting at the feet of my dad and, and him blessing me. I, I love that. And, and so I really miss that. And, and so I remember growing up in that type of environment of, of prayer, they taught me how to pray. They taught me why to pray. They taught me the Lord's Prayer in Vietnamese. It goes something like this. Okay, that's, that's all you're getting. But, but most of you would, would know this Lord's Prayer in, in English. And, and so this whole, my whole family, the whole Nguyen family, will, will start praying. Sometimes the whole family prays in turns or, or dad would be the representative to pray for the whole family if, if we had a busy day and, and everyone seems pretty tired. But I, I learned a lot of stuff. And, and I learned how to pray to God to, to get my parents to do stuff. Like I remember saying, Lord, I pray that, that dad hits me a bit lighter next time I mess up. Oh, 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 I'll pray that, oh, Lord, I thank you that it's my birthday tomorrow so my parents don't forget it's my birthday tomorrow. So, so I was very sneaky in my prayer. And so during this time of, of prayer, it was an awesome environment. I was very blessed, very lucky. Uh, Dad would also use this as a teaching moment for me. And he would say, kids, you know why we pray? And I'm like, no, why, Dad? And then he, he asked us, do you want to know how I became a Christian? And we're like, yeah, yeah, tell us the story. And so this is what he says. When we were in, living in the refugee camps in Indonesia, um, what happened was my dad used to have this bad habit of gambling. And so he would gamble all these places, but there was this one particular gambling that he really likes. It's, it's uh, through cockfighting. And straight away, I remember now, I was like, oh, no wonder why I grew up with a lot of chicks. As in the animal chicks. I've got to be careful what I say because my wife's here. So this was all underground kind of stuff. It was illegal back then, but it just so happened sometimes that as my dad would go to this chicken coliseum, he would carry me in one hand and the chicken in the other hand. 
So it would come with, with the champion and with, the, with me. And, and sometimes I would get to watch. It's brutal. It's bad. It's, it's, it's all that. And, and they will always have. So they, they'll come around. They'll place their bets. And, and they make the, the, the two roosters really angry. And they go at each other in Mortal Kombat. And they're killing each other now. And, and they will, but they will always have a few people outside keeping watch. So every time, sometimes we will hear, oh, the popo's here, the popo's here, and we clean up and everyone just scatters. Everyone just scatters as the cops come in and try to catch as many people as they could. But every time, my dad escaped, but there was this one instance that he didn't escape. What happened was there was an informant that got everyone busted, and so what happened was the police actually surrounded them, and so there was no escaping this time. And so they gathered everyone that was involved in this chicken UFC sort of octagon thing into the police station. And what happened, they had to line up. And what my dad was seeing and witnessing was everyone was getting beat up one by one. There was no such thing as police brutality back then. It was just, it was like punches in the face and the stomach, stomping on the ground, everything with weapons. And, and so everyone's getting bloodied. One by one, I kind of deserved it, what they did to the chickens, but anyways, one by one. And my dad knew it's going to be his turn very soon. And back then, my dad had stomach ulcers and his stomach wasn't very good. Um, he's always end up in hospital because of these stomach ulcers. And he knew that if one of these officers punched him in the gut, he'd probably die and won't be able to make it home to see the family. And so who would look after you know, his wife and, and, and us, the kids? And so what my dad did out of desperation was he closed his eyes and he started saying something like this, God, what I did was wrong. But if you save me, I promise to never cockfight and gamble again and I'll serve you. And he says, amen. And he's, he's breaking out in sweat now because it's nearly his turn. And here's the miracle part. The officer in charge saw my dad close his eyes, started mumbling something, but then he said when it was my dad's turn, he told his troops to stop. Don't beat him up, let him go home. And so my dad walks home and then they continue beating up the, the rest of everyone else. And my dad was just baffled and he just walks home. And me hearing, and then he says to us, the kids, this is why I was a Christian. We pray. That's why we pray. Why do we pray? Because God's real and he hears us. And so that stuck with me until now I'm a bit older and I think about that story. I'm like, Dad, why didn't you pray for your friends? Just <laughs> <laughs> left them there to get all beaten up. <laughs> Prayer is powerful, is it not? You hear testimonies all the time of, of a lot of things. But maybe you're here tonight and you kind of never had that awesome prayer testimony of yourself, of your own. Or you kind of never see your prayers being answered. And you've been praying the same thing for a long time and it just, there isn't any breakthrough. Or you're here tonight and you feel that your prayer life is lacking. And you feel that your prayer life isn't really impacting. This sermon tonight is for you. And so we have 
two passages from the Lord's Prayer tonight. So Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11. I'll be jumping through the both of them and try to get through the both of them as much as I can. Um, so before we dig into the passage, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that you send your Holy Spirit. The Spirit that enables us to cry out, Abba, Father. Teach us how to pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so you can see there's two passages tonight, which is quite odd. Usually I just stick with one. So there's two passages, so there's no way I would have the time to finish the both of them. So I had to painfully select a few points that I see in the two passages to give to you guys. What, what I feel that God wants me to say to you. And so please trust me in that. I'm trying to be faithful to the word, but I'm also trying to be faithful with time and, and what, what God has in store for you. So you're ready to receive his word for you? Yeah. So here we go. First off, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. If you can turn your Bibles there. He says, one day Jesus was praying at some certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Lord, teach us how to pray. And I just love how genuine and gentle Jesus is with this request. He didn't look at his response. He didn't go rank at the disciple saying, look, you've been with me for so long, for how long? And you don't know how to pray. No, no, but Jesus earnestly teaches them. This wasn't a stupid question to Jesus. Jesus was, he was happy to teach them. And he says this, when you pray, say, our father who is in heaven. He teaches them. Maybe for a lot of you here who become Christians, maybe just recently become Christians or you became Christians quite a bit of a long time ago. And maybe you're here tonight and you actually not sure how to pray. You're not sure if you're really doing it right. Maybe it's not your fault. Maybe that no one really ever taught you how to pray. Maybe the moment you said you became a Christian, everyone just assumed, okay, he's Christian now or she's Christian now, you know how to pray. And so what you do is every time there is a prayer going on, you just close your eyes and say amen at the end. And you think that's prayer. Or, or you just close your eyes and you just start asking for this and that. Lord, can you give me this? Can you help me with that? Can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And that's all you think prayer is. But I'm here to tell you tonight, prayer is not just about asking. Yes, there is aspects of asking, but it's so much more beautiful than just asking. Because Christians, our prayer is very unique and it's very different to all the other religions out there. Why? Because prayer is actually a universal thing. If you go to any country, people are praying to something or someone or, or some animal or, or some object universally, everyone knows how to pray. But here Jesus is saying, Christians, you're different. How you pray is very different. So if you turn to chapter six, Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, this is what Jesus says. And this is how Jesus teaches how different we are. Verse 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. Jesus teaches us there's a pagan way to pray and how we're supposed to pray. And he says, when you pray, do not keep babbling on like the pagans for they think they have heard, they'll be heard because of their many words. But do not be like them for your father knows what you need even before you ask. And so when Jesus used this word pagan, automatically our mind thinks, oh, the non-Christians, the people, the atheists that don't really pray that much. No, no. When Jesus uses the word pagan, he really means those who are non-Christians because those pagans that Jesus referred to, sometimes they pray more than us, much more than us to different directions or, or to certain objects and fervently. And, and they, the, the, these pagans, they think they'll be heard because of the many words that they repeat and say. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 Christians, you're different. You don't need that many words because your father knows what you need even before you ask. So this verse here, it's not saying where we, where we, whether we should ask or not, but Jesus is actually teaching us how to ask. So this is a temptation for Christians that I see. As long as we use the right words, like some he, secret Hebrew words, we, we think it's, it's like a magic missiles to heaven. As long as we say something like, Hallelujah, Hosanna, Shikanai, Shalom, Agape, Philo, Ruha, Panama, we think that God is sitting in heaven with his host of angels and he hears all these words coming up and then he, he, he opens the clouds and he says, Look at this, angels. Never have I heard in awe of eternity. Never have I heard in awe of history someone using Greek and Hebrew like that. Man, I'm going to come and bless this little slugger. Like, we think that, but, but that's not how God operates. Let me tell you, church, we are not saved just to become religious and turn our prayer life into some ritual. Because no, no, it's about relationship. It's really never about what you say. It's not about what you say. It's really more about knowing him. And that you know that he knows you. And you knowing that he knows what you need. That's why we even dare to ask. Look at how, again, look at how Jesus starts teaching this. Because the key point to your prayer if you want to see a change in your prayer life. Jesus, he doesn't start off with teaching. When you pray, say, our king, though he is. Jesus also doesn't say, our creator, though he is. But he starts off with, say, our father. We read this and we think, oh, cool, father. But in the, in the Jewish mind of that day, when they heard that phrase, they would have freaked out. They were like, what? You said, what, Jesus? We can't say our father. Okay, look, back then, the Jews, they did pray to a father. But when they pray to God, their father, it's like the father up there, the father all creation, the, the father who's, who's a bit far away. But the term that Jesus used was Abba. Abba. That's what little Jewish kids used to call their dad. So the, the most correct translation that we have in English is, so when you start praying, say, 
daddy. Say papa, pops. That's what you say. Start with that. And that's how I actually pray in my quiet time. I would say, hey, dad, it's me, Dex. You know me. Now, I accidentally started off with sometimes in public saying, hey, dad, as, as I begin my prayer. And some people do get offended. And they come to me at the end of my prayer and say, hey, Pastor Dex, that, that was a bit insensitive. That, that, was, a, that was a bit rude. You, they're flabbergasted because you're not honoring God. And I'm just like, in my defense, I'm like, but that's how Jesus taught us how to pray. So maybe you can go home and you can start off your prayer or maybe later on tonight, you can start off your prayer with saying, hey, dad. Because what Jesus was introducing here was our identity when we pray. Our identity on who he is and who we are. Are you praying out of your identity? And he's not just giving us an identity. He's also introducing another concept, a concept of intimacy, the close proximity to God. Because when the Jews, they, when how they used to pray, it's always like, oh, God's so revered, so, so out there. He's, he's up in heaven. He's so far away. But when Jesus says, Abba, he gives us an identity. Hey, hey, you're his little kid. And, and he's not far away from you. He's actually really close to you. And here's why you suffer in your prayer life that you find it a drag to pray because you just have a list of things and you, you ask God, hey, God, give me this, give me that. But you forgot the intimacy with him, the personal relationship. And sometimes after you give him that list, after you say amen, you're not confident, are you? You're not confident that your prayer would be answered. So for example, you go out there in the city of Perth somewhere and you ask a stranger, hey, mate, can I have a hundred dollar ruse? Dollary dues. Dollary <laughs> How confident are you that that stranger is going to give you that hundred dollar note? Not very confident. But let's say your dad pulls up on the street somewhere and you see your dad and you go to your dad and you ask the exact same question. Hey, dad, can I have a hundred bucks? Which scenario would you be more comfortable with asking? <laughs> and even if your dad says no, it's probably because your dad knows that you're up to no good with that $100 note. Your heavenly father is unlike your earthly father. And I know I preach to a congregation that that maybe not have a good earthly father. But I want to tell you about our heavenly father. He's good. He's different. If you've seen a good earthly father, times that by infinity, and you're only still getting a peak of the iceberg on how good God is. Our heavenly father is good. And because he's good, he only can give good gifts. So you know what that means? You can ask him for anything. You can ask him for anything. And you can trust that he will shift out the things that are good for you and the things that are bad for you. 
because he will only give you the good things. And so Jesus says, when you pray, say, Abba. He's your dad. Jesus is telling us to pray in our proper identity and that we should pray in intimacy. And how this is all possible? It's only possible because Jesus went to that cross. That Jesus, he died on that cross and he dressed us with his righteousness so that we could enter the throne room of God himself. So for example, let's say I go to, I think it's Buckingham Palace. That's where the queen lives, right? Yeah, I go to England, Buckingham Palace. And I go to the guard. And, and if I try to walk through those gates, you know what would happen to me? I'll probably be stopped at the door. And I'll be like, I want to see the queen. I want to be in the sea. I'll probably get tackled or tasered. But here's the difference. What if I was at Buckingham Palace and I was walking side by side with Prince Charles. And as we walk towards the guards, Prince Charles says, he's with me. Do you know where I could go? Do you know how much access I would have? I would even have access to go all the way up to the throne room and see the queen herself. Why? It's because of who I'm with. And so Christians, when you pray, know that your identity is in Christ. That you... You're not just a friend of a prince. No, no, you become a prince. You become a prince. You become a child of God. And of course, you get direct access to God himself. It's only possible because Christ died on that cross and he rose again. And he doesn't leave us as an orphan when he sits at the right hand of God. No, no, he gives us his spirit. And that spirit enables us to cry out, Abba, Father. So don't pray like the pagans do or other religions do. What Jesus is doing here is he shows us two basic ways to pray. Like a pagan or like a child. You can pray, you can come to God like a, with a business-based relationship or a family-based relationship. A business relationship-based is, is I have something for you. Do you have that something for me? You, I got the goods. Do you have the cash? Something like that. But a family-based prayer is, is, is more of what I am to you. A business relationship is performance. I perform for you. You perform for me. But in a family relationship, it's, it's not about performance. It's more about commitment. And here's how you can tell if you're, which way you are praying and which type of basis are you praying to God. One, do you babble with many words and with empty phrases, with vain repetition? When you say Father God and it really, you reduce that down to just a filler in word and you really don't think about what you're actually saying when you say Father God? Are you repeating it without a thought? If you pray in that way, it would lead to two things. It either leads to pride or despair. Pride as in, if you treat this as a business transaction, you, you'll think, okay, I went to church. I tithe. 
I did this for the youth group. I did that. I went to camp. I went to all this, all that. And so there's pride. I deserve to get my prayer answered. But when it doesn't get answered, do you get angry? Because you're like, oh, I deserve that. How come it's not here? And the other way is it can lead you to despair. You can come to God and thinking, oh man, I really messed up this week. I clicked on that website again. I lied again. I did this again. God's not going to hear my prayer. It would lead you to despair. And after you pray, pray, do you end up anxious? Feeling, oh man, it's definitely not going to get answered. So if you are praying in a business transaction type prayer, it leads you to pride or despair or anger or anxiousness. That you're not good enough. Here's the trick. Don't base your prayers on what you do. But base your prayer life on who he is to you and who you are to him. That's key. Hey God, it's your son. Hey God, it's, it's your daughter here. Are you praying like a servant who's waiting for his wage? Or are you praying like a child who knows that they will inherit the inheritance, the richness of his inheritance? When you pray, does it lead you to praise of him? Because if you are treating it like a business relationship, you will feel like, like, okay, when you work after the end of the week and you get your wage, you don't say, hallelujah, oh, praise my boss, I got my wage. You don't do that. Because why? Because you feel that you earned it. But for the Christians, when we pray, yes or no, everything is a gift. And we're like, wow, God's good. Base, don't brace your prayer on what you do, but base your prayer on who you are and who he is to you. And then the next line Jesus teaches us is, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Okay, we say that, but do you even understand what the word hallowed mean? It means sacred, revered. Jesus doesn't teach us to come to God casually and say, what's up? No, no, no. No, there's still a sense of respect of the almighty God because he is worthy. When I was on holidays, I, I went to churches and, and I was able to hear this testimony of a guy named Isaac. Now, I'm trying to recall the best I can about his, his story and his testimony. Isaac attended this Bible college course, a short Bible college course. Um, and one day the lecturer said, Okay, so what we're going to do tomorrow is we're going to pray. How long? Eight hours. And I'm like, whoa, eight hours. Man, I struggle with 30 minutes, to be honest. But eight hours of prayer. And the lecturers didn't like leave them high and dry. They're like, okay, so here's some strategies on how you can pray for eight hours. Here's what you can pray for. And here's some strategies on, on how you can spend that eight hours with God and, and listen and to lean into God and to hear God. And so this Isaac guy, he's very rigid. 
He's one of those A-plus students. He's very smart and he's always very strategic. He's always planned these things out. And so he comes into this prayer room by himself with, with many pages of what he could pray for. And he's, he's ready. He's ready. I'm like, I can, I can go for, for ages. I can go for, for 10 hours. And so he comes in and he prays the first hour. Everything's okay. Second hour, still okay. Third hour, Isaac says he's getting a bit more fidgety. And he's getting a bit angry now. And he tells us, he was saying to God, God, I spent three hours, three hours of prayer and I've heard nothing from you. I just wasted three hours of my life. Before we judge him, don't we have the same reaction? When we try to seek God for something and silence. I spent three hours of my life and it's wasted time. Why haven't you said anything to me? And he's very upset. And then almost audibly, he hears from God. And that's exactly why. You think that spending time with me is a waste of time. By then, Isaac is very fearful. He, he starts repenting. He's, he's in tears now. He scrunches up his, his, his tackle prayer plan. And he just throws it away and he just prays. And he just spends time with God. And he comes out of that room a changed man. You can ask his congregation members, Man, this guy is so different. He's so much more joyful. He's so much more at peace. This guy, he's a freak. He would just go into the worship room and he would just pray with God for ages and he comes out. And sometimes we ask him, hey, did God say anything? Sometimes he would say yes, but other times he would say no. No, God didn't say anything. But you know what? It was fun. It was fun to spend time with my dad. So... When you pray to God, is it just the end result for you is to get what you want from God? Or do you come to God and just delight in Him that He is your Father, that He is hollowed, that He is revered, that He is sacred, that He is worthy of your time? And just a side note for those of you who who really are truly busy, who can't spend hours and hours praying with God. And, and even if you attempt sometimes praying with God late at night, and maybe you end up asleep. Have anybody fallen asleep when they prayed? Okay, a few honest people here. And I'm guilty of this a lot. But I, wanna, but I want you to think of this perspective. Would a father ever get angry at a child for sleeping on his own arms? Would a father ever be angry at his child that sleeps on his arms? You know, sometimes, because of my job's nature, I end up very stressed. I, I actually end up very anxious. When I hear about the problems going on in your life, sometimes that makes me can't sleep. What, what's happening at the church when, 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 when I feel that there's devil's attacks? I'm, I'm your pastor. I love you guys. 
And sometimes there's things in my own personal life that keeps me up at night. It makes me an insomniac. And you know what helps me sleep? Prayer. This maybe sounds bad, but, but when I can't sleep, I would just spend time with God and knowing that I'm in His arms. And when I know that I'm in, safe in His arms, and when I put my head against His chest and hear His heartbeat of love for me, that soothes me, that helps me sleep. So this is to you who, who live your life in worry. This is for you who live your life in anxiety, in depression. Try praying yourself to sleep. Try just spending time and delight and feel the warmth of his arms. Maybe you would delight in prayer a lot more. So church, you know what? To be a Christian, you don't have to pray. You don't, it's not like a tick list. Okay, what makes a Christian? And, and there's a tick box. No, no, no. It's not like you, you don't have to pray. You get to pray. Think of it this way. The God of the universe, whom the angel says, holy, 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 and they cover their face with all the wings that they have. And they say, holy, holy. We get to spend time with God, the creator God, the alpha, the omega. Who are we that he is mindful of us, that we get to come to him? And we can trust that he's good. Why? There's proof. There's proof on the cross. If he's already given us the jewel of heaven, which is his son, his beloved son, what more? What, is there anything better that God won't give us? There's nothing better. Jesus is already the best God has given us. Pray. Ask. The next line is, as it is in heaven, may your will be done as it is in heaven, as it is on earth. I don't have time to go through with that with you guys, but the next line that I'll expound on is, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Essentially, it means ask God whatever you need. Whatever you need. For people who say, oh, you shouldn't ask God for stuff. No, 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 no. It says here. Ask. Ask God for whatever you need. And pretty much, if you read, go home, read Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 12, it pretty much is a parable that teaches us that Christians should be very persistent in their prayer, almost shameless, no matter how small, no matter how big. Even if it's knocking on your neighbor's house, asking for bread in the middle of the night, it's okay with Jesus. You can ask. Don't be afraid to ask. Don't believe what the devil says or what other people say in you. You can't ask God for that. I'm like, sure I can. I can ask God whatever I want. It's fine. Tim Keller says, the only person who dares to wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. Whatever the request, even if it seems rude or preposterous or demanding what seems unnatural for others is Natural for a child. Do you know who wakes me up at night? Any guesses? Ariel, my little nine-month-old daughter. She, she wakes me up. 
She's crying, she's crying. And I'm like, I'm pretty annoyed. She's crying. But then I start hearing, da, 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 da. Ba, ba, ba. She's saying dad. And my heart just hurts. It aches. It melts. And you know what I do? I wake Demi up. I'll ask the band to come up and, and we'll close. I want us to be a praying family. I want us to maybe spend time later on praying together. There's this other scene in the New Testament where Jesus comes to the temple and he builds this rope and he builds this whip and he goes around and he's like whipping people. Never in all of the Bible have I seen Jesus this angry and he's flipping tables. And he says what? My father's house is a house of what? Of prayer. And you guys turned it into a den of thieves. Now, Jesus could have said his father's house was a house of mission. His father's house is a house of discipline or of disciples, of signs and wonders, or of he could call his father's house anything. But why did Jesus call his father's house a house of prayer? So let me ask you this, Oikos Church. If we aren't known by our prayerfulness, are we really a house of God? And I love the, the culture of, of this church here. As I see for a few weeks now that people have actually stayed back and, and wanting prayer. And, and I love how people are praying for each other. And, and I loved when I came in to this church, I saw a whole group of people just gathered and huddled up together and just praying. Praying for the camp, praying for, the, for their friends to come, praying for salvation. I, I love that praying before the service. I, I usually see our worship, worship, our band members, sometimes they sit alone and, and they pray before they lead worship. And I, and I love seeing us pray like that. And I, and I encourage you to continue to pray because we should be known as a house of prayer here. Be persistent in your prayer. Be almost shameless in your prayer. Why? Because you're his kid. You're his son. You're his daughter. He loves you. God bless you, church.